0: The following is an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture podcast, hosted by President of Applied Vision Works, Don Hadley. Hey, this is Don Hadley. We're here doing another podcast for building a leadership culture. I have somebody I've known for a number of years who I find very interesting. Her name is Leanne Garms and she is CEO of Raleigh Neurology. And as I think about her and the interactions I've had, she's somebody very focused on getting results, but she also does it, I was gonna use the word care, but it's really, I'd use more the word love, servant leadership with love and results. And so I found her very effective at doing it because she's great at looking at the audience, Seeing what they need and really serving them in the way that they need to be served. So, the reason I got into that is she's going to share with us some interesting things about leadership. She's also interesting because she brings very specific ideas and some unique spins. So, Leanne, I know we've talked a bit before you're coming on the podcast. What are your just thoughts at the moment? What's running through your head?
1: Well, the first thing that came to mind is thank you by the way for having me on You're the welcome. podcast so i am humbled and uh, really appreciative of the opportunity you know, the first thing that jumped into my mind when you were talking about the type of leader that you perceive that I am, and by the way, he's spot on uh, with the servant leadership, is the concept of love. And very early on into coming into a leadership role, I was fortunate enough to uh, work with an executive coach. And one of the first things that he said to me was, people come at things from only two different angles, huh, interesting. love or fear. Okay, And that's it. And wow, there's no in between. And at the time, I did not appreciate the value, you know, of, of what he was trying to convey. And to well, me, Why do you think
0: that was, though? What, what was in the way of you seeing the value of?
1: Well, because you don't think of love when you think of professional yeah. and business, right? And, I mean, when you're coming into it, and especially as a new leader and in my position in a public company where it's, you know, very, if you will, stuffy.
0: And how old were you at the time?
1: So I was 30 ish. 30, okay. Yeah, at the time. And so for me, it was just such a foreign concept to take something that to me was personal and equate it to the business world. You know, I'm about to go pitch. A sales proposal, right? Or I'm about to go try to engage and get a group of people to listen and follow. (laughs) What does love have to do with this? And I'm thinking, they have to love me, and I have to get from a position of love. Or you know, I'm about to go in and talk to an extremely angry client you know, or in my case today, an extremely upset customer, you know, because we didn't meet their needs in some way, shape or form. And, you know, realizing that, hey, I'm making the choice to either come at this from a position of love. I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to be understanding, Mm -hmm. regardless of if you're coming at me from fear, which often manifests in anger Mm -hmm. and You know talking at people and saying things about you when it's not really even about me yeah it's about the fact that you're afraid you're in a situation where you're either not you know getting what you want or need and you You don't know how to react.
0: So early on when you were confronted with this, when did it finally click where you got the love versus fear thing and and where it started to feel natural and and, and strongly attracted you to that concept or principle?
1: I will tell you I probably shelved the principle entirely for years. Wow. I'm, I'm a big proponent of constantly learn, be curious be okay with picking the nuggets, what resonates to you. And if something doesn't resonate to you, either throw it out or put it on the shelf, but don't lose all of the value because you don't believe or can relate to a big chunk of it. And that was just something I couldn't relate to. And I think it was, you know, probably 10 years later. Okay, wow. Before, (laughs) you know, I was really able to, just in the back of my mind, and I can't tell you I even know why. Okay. But somehow make that click between, hey, in these interactions, I am truly doing it. And probably it wasn't love, it was empathy.
0: Okay. At the time. Empathy. Okay. Right.
1: And 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 really kind of equating that and saying, Wow, well, that makes sense. Because typically when I'm trying to do that, I am often trying to counter fear. Yes. Right? Yes. And what comes out there. So I think it was, you know, a matter of possibly it was just one of those things. In the back of my mind, almost like a virus, right? Bury yeah. Your body and it's going to come <laughs> yeah. out. And slowly, you know, I started thinking about it more and more. I'd love to tell you I've mastered sharing that with others as a leader, you know, and really getting well, it, the concept an outsider across. though,
0: I noticed every time you greet somebody, you greet them with a big smile. You engage them. You go directly to them. I've noticed you use their name. You hug. I'm a big I, hugger, yes, you,
1: which in today's culture, sometimes I forget to ask. So, yes, ask well, people. Well, yeah, but that can be a little tricky. Yes, I'm a hugger. So.
0: so So, what are some other specific behaviors? You know, the concept of love versus fear is important. But what are some other behaviors that's part of that love thing so people can truly feel you doing that?
1: So, you know, taking it in potentially a less intrusive concept, too, is you want to be happy, whatever happy, you know, means to you, especially when you're engaging. So, you know, I'm in a service industry, right, the medical industry, and a lot of us are. And, you know, that's one of the things that you need to have in my mind when you're interacting with somebody. And sometimes, you know, and this can come across then countering, you know, something I'd love to talk about later, which is being authentic. Sometimes you you have to put on, almost a mask of happiness even when there are things, right? I mean, you can be having a bad day. Now, is that not
0: authentic? Is that disingenuous?
1: You know, I don't think so, and here's the reason why is because I do not feel like you are doing that in an effort to mislead someone else. I feel like when you're not authentic And you are doing things that are counter to your belief systems and potentially taking somebody in, you know, the wrong direction or, frankly, trying to not be honest and truthful with them. In this case, I think it's, hey, I care about you enough. I care about my role enough in this world that I'm willing to leave my baggage
0: Okay. Right.
1: In my office, if you will, and not bring it into my conversation with you. Right. I can still be mad about something. Right. I can still be exhausted, which is often the case. Right. Uh But, you know, when I get that opportunity to interact with people, that doesn't necessarily have to be what I convey and who I am in that moment. And I can still be all of those things, too.
0: Earlier today, you made the comment to be something about being your best self. Mm hmm. And you remember making that comment to me?
1: I worked on the program for a little while, your best year yet. You yeah. Know, yeah. And, and how to do that. So that's uh-huh. probably where that, you know, came from. And I was also raised. I mean, I'm in that generation and and again, I come from a long line of people who have been in the service industry where that is what you were told. Right. Yeah, is yeah. always be on, always yeah. be your best, right? So that you can best serve and whether that's make the most sales, make the most people happy, whatever that you know is mm-hmm. from that perspective. So that's probably mm-hmm. you know where that came from. And I think it's very intriguing looping back though. It is a fine line and there's no black and white, it's gray to me with authenticity versus transparency versus you know what I like to say is walking sideways trying to be something you're not. Yeah. Right? And I I think there are shades of gray. Yes. I don't think there's absolute right or wrong. I don't think you're authentic or you're not. I think there are varying shades of gray.
0: Part of, one reason I brought that best self when you said it, part of what clicked into me is that a lot of times, to me being authentic, I can choose my own experience. I can choose in this podcast, going to be one of the best podcasts ever, or I can choose "Eh, I'm just going to go get it done. Or if I'm having a bad day, I might choose, oh, it's a bad day. I just, eh. And so instead, if I choose, if I smile, like I was doing in the parking lot, by the way, in Mm -hmm. my car before I came in. So doing all these things helps me get my attitude and my belief, even if let's say I'm unhappy, it walks it back over to where I got a shot at being my best, bringing out the best in others. So I think part of the authenticity is, even if we feel bad, whether or not we share it with others, is doing things to bring ourselves to a better place. Mm -hmm. And so I can choose the Jekyll or the Hyde It's within me
1: Yeah,
0: or the shades in between.
1: And sometimes calling that out, um, we haven't done it recently um, yet at a prior company that I was with where we did a lot of phone work. We actually had mirrors next to our computers. Oh, neat. And when you're talking to somebody on the phone, Okay. (laughs) It is amazing how your tenor will change if you're looking in the mirror Okay. At your facial expressions. Okay. Right. And you, you can really stop yourself, right? And you can feel yourself, especially if it's a heated conversation or you're anxious or what have you. You can see and sometimes just looking at yourself, assuming you're not gonna beat yourself up, right? I can't stand the way I look I mean there's there's a whole lot of
0: So it sounds like there's a little bit of coaching that issues goes into with that those.
1: But I love the mirror approach. And I mean oftentimes before I will go out um, you know, in the morning I will open up my drawer and just be like, "Okay, you got this." You know, turn it on, and sometimes that also means going back to and put the baggage down, right? Go out in this world because that's what your team members need today. Yeah, right. They don't need everything that you have going on here because they probably have their own.
0: Yeah,
1: and and so that opportunity just a pulse check. Yeah, and to your point, even if I'm in. You know, a, a bad mood, something like putting a smile on my face, mm-hmm. right? Or something that's why I carry smiles around, you know, the, those little objects oh, that you Oh, you gave seen. me one. It's
0: on my counter at home. Yeah. I love I, that. Yeah. I
1: love. They're seeds of happiness. And, <laughs> you know, if, I, if somebody's having a bad day, if somebody's having a good day, I'll give them out for a million reasons. But it's just an opportunity to allow somebody right? To change the perspective. And it's also a neat trick. I mean, I learned pretty early on that really successful leaders often have some type of unique style, trick, you know, mantra that they say that, you know, okay, here here he uh-huh. is or here she is. And early on in my career, I would mimic, which is, you know, a great form of flattery and learning of yes. other leaders. What I found is it doesn't work really well into perpetuity though. Right. If you're Mm -hmm. a leader, you have to find your thing. Right. And although it might change years from now, my thing and my thing for years have been those smiles. Right. (laughs) They make Uh me happy. They make other people happy Uh and people immediately attribute them to my style. Yes. Right. And, and so it's something that I've used and it doesn't necessarily have to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It can be a mannerism. It can be a saying. You know, often people will look at me and they'll be like, teamwork makes a dream work, Leanne, because that's another thing I go to because uh-huh. I'm like, we, we cannot survive in this organization without relying on each other. But having something like that, if you can find it and it's not forced. Mm-hmm. Right. And I often find that the best ones come mm-hmm. naturally. Those smiles, I just happened upon them when I was at the Children's Hospital of volunteering. And I grabbed a bunch because I was like, wow, I bet the nurses would love these. Oh, neat. Right. And then it just kind of, you know, fast forward. And now I've probably bought the guy a beach house with the (laughs) smiles. But, you know, it it was very natural. And I think Uh probably with people's, you know, style or their buzzword or what catches it, it probably is far less planned. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and becomes just something natural that connects with people. And, and kind of grows from there.
0: So, one word that's jumping out at me as we're talking is also that of boundaries. Um, you know, if we leave our baggage at home, we've put a boundary up so we don't burden others with it. And it was interesting, I was with a team of people uh, yesterday, and one of the people was saying why they didn't get the results they were supposed to get. And it's because they got a problem at home, somebody's sick, da 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 da. Then what was interesting, another guy said, well, here's the results I'm getting, da-da-da, I was able to do much, much better. So then privately talking to him after, his mother's in the hospital, maybe dying. And what was interesting, he has the boundaries, and he came across as very professional, very solid, very honest game, and did not distract the team. Mm -hmm. This other person greatly distracted the team and basically was given excuses for performance. And I think sometimes boundaries are very, very useful this day and age. And in fact, I think some ways we've gotten away from boundaries too much. It's almost like any time anybody can say anything, and that's not necessarily healthy.
1: I agree. And I would say there, you know, you also have to pick and choose because, you know, I have also run into the issue where – I have almost come across less than human to people, Okay. right, as a leader, right? So it's like you never make a mistake, nothing's ever wrong, you're always happy, (laughs) and that's not realistic, right? You're not serving anybody else well if you're coming across that way either, because it's really hard for me to tell people, I want you to fail fabulously, Mm -hmm. because that's the only way we're going to learn if they're like, but you never fail. Right. Or I never see that. Yeah. And and so it is a, I think, balance between when you leave that baggage and when you share that you have that baggage. But, but
0: what I'm taking from this is people need to see your failures and some of the challenges you've got yeah, so that they, you aren't just this model of perfection. And they
1: need to see, like, yeah. I can be walking around one day and having a really bad day and I can come across, you know, short or mm-hmm. snap at somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is when I can catch that and when I can either go back to them or in the next interaction say hey I just wanted to let you know mm-hmm. you know I was having a really bad day didn't sleep mm-hmm. well this is going on that's going on it makes you very human yeah as well so it to me and I I will be the first to tell you I probably don't make these decisions well every time but I think it's a balance as to when you bring that in yes and and when you leave it aside because but but it
0: sounds like you're intentionally choosing it it's not a compulsion to have to share you're gauging the situation which is where i see the mistake
1: is incredibly valuable right is you decide how you want to present your emotions right? And what emotions you want to present. That is hugely important. And I am a giant work in progress, right? Because we all have those moments where, wow, it's really, really good. And then somebody pushes that wrong button and you have taken that left turn to negative town and you can't come back and right? And yes, so I mean, you know, definite work in progress. And I think that's where, to me, practicing the boundaries provides you with an ability Mm -hmm. to fall back on something. It doesn't even necessarily have to be natural, right? You've practiced it so that it's routine and you know how to react. And I, you know, I, I like sharing that with people, and especially people, you know, I, I'm I'm a crazy mix of Italian and German and <laughs> Irish, so there's a whole lot of craziness going on there, right? And we are an incredibly me. passionate, uh-huh. right? So you get mad really fast, you mm-hmm. get happy really fast. You know, people always, I was like, my mother could be throwing plates and breaking them and screaming at you and then giving you a hug five minutes later. Yeah, yeah. Just the way it works. Not super effective, right? In the work environment. However, (laughs) so I think having a practice though and being able to kind of rein those in, know when it's happening. Yeah. Right? So yeah, to me, self-control, and that's not just for leaders, that's for any human being, especially for leaders. I think self-control coupled with self-awareness. You know, how do I think of myself? What are my beliefs? What makes me tick? But equally as important, what are other people's perceptions? You know, because I run into people and they're like, oh, you know, I'm never getting any feedback or I'm hearing this, but nobody ever says anything to me. And, you know, I'm like, it's because you're scary. You're not approachable. I know you don't feel that way. You and I can sit down. Mm -hmm. But how many people walk in your office and just say hi, right? It's not because you're not a nice person, right? It's because they feel like Mm -hmm. you're not approachable. And not approachable means scary. And, and so they might absolutely know themselves and that's not it, but that might not be. So I, th- I think there's a big um, you know, opportunity and especially as leaders to understand that too, what the outside perception is.
0: I know when I was very young, as I, I kept having this this image up and a lot of it was out of fear. And as I learned that it was because of fear, I learned to be able to present more my real self, which was less perfect. And it was interesting, a couple of days ago I was in a meeting with a good friend and client, and uh, unfortunately they've got a situation in the family where somebody may is considering suicide. And I think one of the reasons that we've kind of figured out this is occurring is not that this was the goal, but they see this guy is so successful and perfect, their life has to be like it. So. Along the way on the journey, this guy hasn't really shared some of the challenges, and maybe if he would have, this high model or standard wouldn't be in place. And so, you know, as as we're working through this with him, it's a situation that is incredibly serious, but these principles you're talking about have tremendous impact for good or bad based on how you're using them or not using them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say any of the things that we're talking about – Yeah can have positive implications or negative,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And unintended consequences to boot, Yeah, you know, from that perspective. A knife can be
0: used for surgery. A knife can be used for hurting somebody. It
1: can, right? And I mean, you know, self-control to the point that we were talking about earlier, you can have such an enormous amount of self-control that you're actually not appropriately dealing with what's really going on right? or how you're feeling. And then you end up, you know, in in my mind, I like to think about you're walking crooked, you're walking sideways, Mm -hmm. right? You're you're overly adapting. Mm -hmm. And once, you know, if you you think of disc profile and some of those things and they talk about your natural style versus your adaptive, and if you adapt too far, that's actually not a good thing. Adapting within a range is great, but once you go past a certain point, it's almost worse because you're going against your true self you know it's like for me to try to not hug people mm-hmm. right if you told me you could never hug anybody again
0: yeah
1: right that would have a pretty significant impact mm-hmm. on right my style and how I interact yeah, yeah and I might say wow, I might not be in the right place yeah right yeah. if that's not appropriate now you might need to ask Leanne you <laughs> know you might want to put some boundaries on it. But if that's who you are, and oh, by the way, and I have this, you know, within my own team now, mm-hmm. and I have people who cannot stand to hug or be hugged. <laughs> okay. And so we have running jokes and memes that, you know, go back and forth. Uh-huh. But again, that that's that external awareness as well. And I need to know their boundaries. Absolutely. Right? And be respectful of them, even if it's, hey, I'm making fun. Right or you're making fun of me, we're respectful of where each other are coming from then. I
0: find sometimes though, when I talk to people about boundaries, they don't know their boundaries. They might not have enough experience or they're afraid to say the boundaries or whatever. And so I think as leaders, that's part of, if we can take our journey of self-awareness, self-control learn not just tools that work for us, but a broad variety of tools that might help others, part of what I've come to believe is we have to help other people become more self-aware so then they can self-prescribe, if you will, this boundary versus that one. Otherwise, they get pushed by everything all over the place.
1: And at the end of the day, anything that we're talking about in leadership from my perspective, there's not a single aspect of it that doesn't equate to every single human being that they – Mm-hmm. Can utilize to be a better human being. Yeah. Right. I mean, whether it's self awareness, whether it's self control, whether it's being a servant leader, helping you know one another. You, we we put leadership that label mm-hmm. on these things, whereas to me these are more life lessons, tips that you can take or not take, regardless, you know, of where you're at, what you want to do, whether you think you want to be a leader or not a leader. You're in a supervisory role. You're in an individual contributor. Role, um, so yeah. Sometimes I think we, um, for maybe our own build up, you know, we're like we're leaders, and let's talk leadership and something very heady. <laughs> uh-huh. And these are just really like how to be good people concepts, right? How to be good and, people. I like that. And That's And if a you good... boil it down to, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to. This isn't a Harvard business class, right? This yeah. is hey, you know, I grew up. This in a is a class town. about this being is, human, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is.
0: Some of you mentioned earlier uh, uh, doing things that are natural. And, and a little bit of the sense I maybe got from you is avoid things that are unnatural. Is that an accurate sense?
1: I would say absolutely go outside your comfort zone. I mean, I'm a big proponent of life begins at your, the end of your comfort zone and you have to test your boundaries. And you have to be adaptable. What's the most unnatural
0: thing you've ever done that's ended up producing really phenomenal results? What's an example?
1: So for me, very early on, and I can't tell you um, what the origin of this is. I probably need years of therapy. Um, (laughs) But I was very, very scared to do anything on my own. Okay. You know, travel, live on my own, etc. Okay, and one um, time when I was studying abroad, I decided for a weekend that I was going to go to Paris by myself. How old were you? So I was. 18 at the time, and a pretty young 18, not educated enough of the world really, and didn't know the language, Mm -hmm. didn't know really how I was gonna get there, where I was gonna stay. I mean, I I do not know what happened to me. I think I must have been like possessed by someone else for a (laughs) short period of time. Uh, But you know, I took the train, I got on the ferry at Dover, I went over, Feeling
0: a lot of fear as you're doing it?
1: Oh, I thought I was going to die. I thought if you can die of fear, it is going to be me. Uh And... You know, the first place that I found to stay, the woman grabbed all my money, and I literally had to grab it back. It was (laughs) horrifying, right? Oh, gosh. Ended up in this hostel, though. I'm standing, fast forward, you know, four hours later, and I'm just terrified. But I'm like, just do it, Leanne. And I'm Uh going around, and I'm standing in a museum, and I hear, hey, Leanne, how you doing?
0: Huh, that's great. And I turn
1: around, and it's a random guy that I met in London uh-huh. that happens to be in Paris. And oh, by the way, he has friends. He's a nice person. So I end up you know, having somebody to go to dinner with. Wonderful. And so just having that little interaction. I can't tell you if I didn't have that, and it all was scary and horrible, Yeah. if I would have had a good outcome. But just having that allowed me to piece together... Right? Enough good things in there and go, wow. And I tell people I survived. And that's truly what I thought that weekend.
0: But did it change your view of the world, your value system? Slowly. Slowly. Okay. Slowly. From what to what?
1: It let me realize that I am limiting myself, right? By being too scared. Which is what most
0: people do. They limit themselves, allowing their own fear to control behavior. Correct.
1: But I knew I still can't be that person. Who's going to throw a backpack on, get on a plane and travel the world for, you know, a a year and backpack and not know where I'm going. You know, I knew. So I'm like, okay, here's here's my sweet spot. Yeah. Right. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. You know, and fast forward and now, you know travel internationally. I'm perfectly fine going into a big city by myself, you know I did, which is really good given the jobs I've had because it'd be really tough otherwise. <laughs> um, but it really gave me, you know that that little bit of here's how it might be. Nice. and by the way, It was. There were a lot of horrible moments. Yeah. Sleeping in a hostel and I'm literally not sleeping. But were they really horrible moments
0: or just you perceived or interpreted or put the meaning they were horrible?
1: For me, they were horrible, yes. And it was all perception. All perception, not reality. Because it was fear. Yeah. I was living and going through that weekend in fear, Mm -hmm. right, rather than just saying, hey, it's all going to be okay and wonderful. And um, so, yeah, I think that that's an example of – No, that wasn't natural, Mm -hmm. but a good, really good learning
0: experience capability because you could not be the woman you are today probably without that. Now
1: I can tell you conversely, and I've walked away from jobs where I realized that I'm too far Mm -hmm. in an adapted style for a while. um, I was in a role where I was the compliance officer for Ah, a company and I was miserable it uh, was I felt like I was everybody's mother I was constantly having to find the bad things you were doing the way that the compliance with love seems a little you know oh it can happen and people yeah. that do it wow yeah. they're rock but it's stars a tough. for me it mm-hmm. was miserable and you know six months into it and it was just permeating everything you know in my life that was over adapting I right? wow. was like, I am outside my comfort zone, mm-hmm. and it's not serving me well. I mean, I wasn't happy outside it of sounds, work. I wasn't happy yeah. inside of work. And at that point, no, I do think you need to sit down and go, wow. Well, I, it sounds
0: like if it, was, it was even against your value system almost. It was almost deeper than just a
1: – Maybe, but I think some of it was the way I chose to handle it, right? And, and so would you do it differently to today? I think –
0: How I, would you do it different specifically? What would be the
1: – I would find the balance, Right, Kay. or I would at least attempt to find the balance. Kay. Right, how can I be who I am in this role? You know, was there a way to do that role where I didn't have to? Because it was my choice to feel like
0: mm-hmm. I was your
1: mother. Right, nobody mm-hmm. told me that I had to be your mother. Yeah, nobody told me that. You know, I had to feel that way and treat people that way. I had that vision in my head. So, yes, to do it over again, maybe. Now my head's twitching going Ugh, <laughs> um from just thinking about it, but yes, because I think often the the baggage and the beliefs that we bring to the table are sometimes wrong. And so they they shape our decisions in ways that don't always serve us well. And I definitely probably had a lot of that going on. Yeah. Definitely, probably.
0: <laughs> you're, you're twitching a lot, Maybe, right? Yeah, now. I'm I could, just, no. yeah,
1: so I'm going to take a breath now.
0: Whew. Well, so. it's, it's interesting because I, I went overseas uh, late December. And, and, you know, usually when I do that, I'm doing a lot of writing and a lot of deep thinking. And it was funny because it just kind of, I'm not going to think real deep. And I came up with kind of this phrase, rejoice in the choice to be free to feel good. And that's kind of my theme this year. And that's what I'm gonna run on. And I, it just, my life is wonderful. And then it's, it, I mean, it was wonderful a year ago, but I, I think for some reason now there's a freeing thing. And, and I think this is part of where if we examine our beliefs from time to time, you know, write them down, we can choose to change our beliefs to a way that's much more powerful and enjoyable in that. So, so kind of as we're bringing the first podcast to a close, and I, I wanna do another podcast with you because kind of as you're saying this, this is very powerful, I think, in terms of leadership, and, but not just leadership in business, but leadership leading ourselves in our own lives which greatly impacts the families around it is very very powerful so you know just with our listeners what what's one thing you would say of all the stuff we've talked about if you're going to prescribe one action one behavior one thing for them to do whether they're experienced or new at leadership or whether they're leaders or not although i think you and i kind of both believe everybody's a leader because we can all influence the outcome of of things What, what what's one thing you might recommend to our listeners
1: Probably the biggest thing that I would say to start with, the the mantra is to be present in the moment, to Mm -hmm. constantly learn to understand that that is all part of the process, right? I mean, none of this are we born with, right? All of it. We learn. Um, so that that's one thing. And then one very tactical, because I'm huge on tools. So whether it's a book or whether it's an assessment or what have you, one of the most powerful things that, um, again, same executive coach did for us um, at one point was how to draw a picture, right? Kay. How to draw a picture of what does your life look like five years from now, Nice, right? And... I still have most of those pictures, and I will tell you it helps you quantify beliefs. Okay. Right. It lets you go back and see how far off you are. So I think it's just a really nice tool. One because it's fun. If you don't get into I'm not an artist, right? So we're talking stick figures and crayons. <laughs> yes. Um, but pictures can be really powerful for people. And so whether it's hey, draw a picture of how you think your group looks, right? When things are working well. Hmm. Um, how do you think? Draw a picture of how they look now, right? Oh, draw Nate. a picture of you now because it it will be interesting. Sometimes you and I might look happy as a clam, but if I said, "Hey, draw a picture of you now," you might draw a frustrated person with all that baggage, ah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And so I find it's just a nice tool that you can use yourself to better understand, right? And and to me, understanding is how you get to be, I think, a better leader and you get those opportunities. Um, So, yeah, I highly encourage. I, again, thought he was crazy. He made me go sit on a beach for two hours a week (laughs) um, with crayons and for four weeks I did nothing. Um, But pictures can be super powerful.
0: I I am curious, have you... Thanked him for what he did?
1: Oh, so many times. Okay,
0: good. Yes. I'm so glad. So you many that. times. <laughs> Not yes. that I would expect otherwise.
1: Yes. Not that I appreciate it at the time, often I tell him, but yes, and I get to see him very occasionally. So well, good it's deal. wonderful.
0: So thank you very much. This was part one with Leanne Garms of Raleigh Neurology, Building a Leadership Culture. We've got lots of books, podcasts, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube videos. We've got all sorts of stuff that may bring you value. If you would like a business health assessment it's 12 different items. If you're trying to identify potential blind spots in your business, if you email C Chase at AppliedVisionWorks.com, we'd be glad to send that to you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture podcast, hosted by Don Hadley, owner and president of Applied Vision Works. Any questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at AppliedVisionWorks.com or call 800-786-4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works.